When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I'm very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. Yes, it's another one of those shows where it's just you and me. Um, no guests today, um, just me and you t- for the hour uh working on something new i'm going to be talking this hour all about the stories we tell and i'm going to be telling a bit of my own story in a way that you've probably haven't heard me tell it before so uh i hope you will enjoy it um of course first we do have our little section uh from my book everyday awakening And today's section is entitled, Presence Leads Us to Connection, Which Brings Us to Community. Okay. Why is it we have more ability to connect to people, yet feel less connected? We can talk or text with anyone in the world. We can meet people online with the exact same interests. And we are still more isolated and feel less a part of a community than ever before. Is it fear? Is it a lack of presence? Or is it something else? Something subtler at work? Maybe it's more about not wanting to be vulnerable or about what it feels, about what feels safe and easy to do. It can be scary to expose ourselves to the people right in front of us. It takes some courage to open up and talk to the person in the room who could challenge us. We would li- we like to avoid confrontation because confrontation feels uncomfortable. So we lean towards comfort more than challenge. We often take the path of least resistance when it comes to connection. So we text someone we don't really know rather than talk to someone who sees us every day. Yet that really doesn't serve us. For community is far more than most of us realize. Community nurtures us. Community supports us. Community holds us in a way that raises us up energetically so we can contribute more, so that we can create more. 
so that we can cry and laugh and feel more so that we can be safe and be heard and be who we are. The person in front of us sees us far more than anyone on the other side of a phone or a computer. They can feel us as we can feel them, and that is very valuable. Let us lean, therefore, into community, lean into presence, lean into connection, and see what unfolds for us as we feel that we are more a part of the human race. So what can you do to be more present with the people right in front of you? So this section of my book, and and I really, I have to tell on myself here, um, this kind of came uh, because of my wife getting upset at me, you know, trying to have a conversation with me, and I'm on my phone. And I'm like, it's not a big deal. Like, uh, what are you upset about? It, it's nothing. I'm just, you know, doing this or that. And she like really was like needed my attention. Like that's all she wanted. She just wanted me to be present with her. And I realized, you know, how e much easier it is you, to, to, to work and connect with somebody on the other side of the world with someone who I don't even know that well, then who's right there, right in front of me. But, but, but that's just, you know, with, with the one closest to me. And then I realized that I can do the same thing with a group of people, or I noticed it among other people that they will do it rather than connect with the people right in front of them. And and people have been talking about this epidemic of, of 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 a distraction because of the phones and social media. But it was funny. I remember sitting at a restaurant with my wife and we were talking. And 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 you know, I'm I'm very good when we, when we're out and and we're together. I'm I'm not on my phone. But I looked around at the restaurant and there were all these other couples and none of them were talking to each other. They were all on their phones. And I thought, how funny is that? That here you are right next to someone and probably someone pretty important to you. And you're not even speaking with them. You're not even present with them. And then I thought, how much do we do that with people who are, are, are not even just one-on-one, -on -one, but in groups? How often do we take ourselves out of presence because we think we're connecting to somebody and they're not even in the same room with us? Now, look, I, I mean, we all do it. I mean, I'm the pot calling the kettle black. I'm much better now. I'm much more conscious of it. And that's the thing. How many of us do this because we're not conscious of it, because we're not paying attention to what we're doing. It's like an automatic program that just runs. And it's like, what happened? It, it, it really is funny, and it really opened my eyes. And I still may do it sometimes, but at least I'm more aware of what I'm doing. I see what I'm doing. Look around and just notice. Are people mindlessly on their phones? When you're online somewhere, when you're maybe taking the, the subway or the bus somewhere or the train, just take a look at people and see, do they really pay attention to what's right in front of them? Or are they just kind of mindlessly doing whatever they're doing, thinking that they're connecting to 
to the people if they're not even paying attention to the environment they're in. They're not even connecting to the people around them. I've mentioned on my show in the past that uh, I'm on the West Coast for the summer, and and, uh, I I was down in San Diego for five weeks. I'm up in Berkeley right now. I'll be heading up to Vancouver from here. And 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 you know while we're out here, we're we're, we're house sitting and dog sitting for for people. And, and walking a dog now that's a real exercise in presence. And it's interesting how when I'm out and and I don't own a dog, you know, I'm just doing it as a way of, of having a place, you know, to stay while we're out on the West Coast and 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 I love animals, so I, I don't mind doing it. But but when you're walking a dog. First of all, you got to be present with them, especially like right now I have this little one. It's kind of a Jack Russell mix and you really got to pay attention to her um, because, you know, her, her owner said, look, don't give her any human food. You know, she has digestive issues. She can only have dog food. So it's like she's sniffing around looking for any little piece of food there. So I got to be really present with her. But the other thing, too, is as you pass other people who are also walking dogs, you notice them, you say hi to them, they acknowledge you, you acknowledge them. And it's interesting because in New York, okay, I'm not walking a dog, I could be out walking around, maybe I'm on the subway going somewhere, I'm on my phone. Or I'm in my own thoughts. And I'm not really connecting with people. I'm not being present to who's right there in front of me. And so the more I started to notice this, the more I paid attention to what I was doing, I was like, oh, like I do this a lot more than I thought I did. And then I realized that when I connect with people, when I'm at a networking event, or maybe I'm just with a a group of friends gathering for having something to eat, hanging out, celebrating something, that the more present I am with the people right in front of me, the more connection there is. The more I notice things, the more I can say something to them like, oh, you seem a a little down today. Or, oh, you seem really excited about something. Or, oh, you're kind of a little more reserved than you usually are. Is, Is everything okay? And then people are amazed. They're like, oh, well, yeah, I am kind of feeling this or that. Or, you know, sometimes they're a little shy. Like, no, 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 everything's okay. But you'd be surprised how much people appreciate it when we are present, when we notice things, when we connect with them. And that means a lot. I mean, think about it yourself. How often does somebody say something to you of like, oh, I noticed you're this or that. Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it, you feel seen and you feel heard, even you didn't say anything. Feel recognized. And so that's what this section of my book is all about. That presence leads us to connection because when we're present with the people right in front of us, that presence means we're really connected. Or, or as one, one of my teachers, Satyan Raja, says, it's, it's about you're, you're making contact with people. Presence is about contact. And when we make contact with people in a very deep, personal way like that, that's essential for community. Community is about when we're really seeing the people right in front of us. And presence is essential for that. So, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to say you should never be on your phone. I'm not trying to say you should never check social media. But there's a balance to all of this. And, and what the lesson was for me, and, and I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of a lesson for you if you're listening to today's show, 
to just be more aware of what are you doing, to be more conscious of it. That when we're more mindful of whether we're disconnecting to this device we have in our hand, rather than being present to who is right in front of us, right here, right now, right at this moment. That maybe there's something we need to look at. Because when we do it all the time, and when we do it to an extreme state, then maybe there's some reason why we're not connecting to the people in front of us. Maybe there's something we're afraid of. Maybe we're afraid of being seen. Maybe we're hiding. Maybe there's something about ourselves that we're uncomfortable about. So then we're uncomfortable to really be with people. And the funny thing is, and and it really is a funny thing, that when we make the effort that even when it's uncomfortable to be present with the people right in front of us, and we can be vulnerable with them, that that connection gets created And suddenly we don't feel quite as uncomfortable. And suddenly we create this relationship and this connection that ends up being something very beautiful, very supportive. And in the end, that's all we're really looking for. And and if we open up the conversation and we can say to somebody, you know, I I just don't feel that good today or I feel awkward, or I feel ugly, or whatever it is that was causing us to kind of feel like uh, maybe I don't want to connect, that they're like, oh my God, so do I. I cannot tell you how many times I've experienced it myself personally, and I've seen it in groups, when people finally open up and admit to what's going on inside of them and why they're doing what they're doing and feeling what they're feeling. Oh my God. People relate to that. People connect to that. Like everyone's feeling that. But without being present and noticing and being honest with people, we don't get it. We, we, we don't make that connection. And without that connection, we don't have community. So. Um, that's my section of the book. Presence leads us to connection, which brings us to community for my book, Everyday Awakening, which you can get, of course, at everydayawakeningbook.com. And of course, on Amazon and all the major booksellers. And if you're like me and you like to go to independent bookstores, you can always go to your independent bookstore and ask them to order it for you. Okay. Um, time to go to break. And when we come back, we'll, we'll get to, um, our main topic of today which is all about uh, telling our stories and, and, and actually being present to the stories we tell ourselves and tell others and the meaning we make behind it and how that meaning makes all the difference in the world. And I'm going to tell you my own story. And I've told my story before on the show, but I've never quite told it this way. So I hope you'll stay with me. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in today. This is going to be a very special episode, just me and you. Make sure if you're you're listening live on the Facebook live stream that you're commenting and, and letting me know how you feel, and I will absolutely read your comments on air. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time. That's 9 to 10 Pacific time, and you guys can figure out in between. And we will be right back after these messages. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. 
While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. It's one of those shows today, just me and you. I see loyal listener Patty on the Facebook Live. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing, Patty, about connecting to even salespeople, someone who waits on you as well. Um, you know, connection can be with anybody and you just never know uh, who comes across your path. So thank you, Patty, for that contribution. Awesome. Um, okay, so today all about the stories we tell ourselves. And um, I, I recently, I, I joined a program and some of you have heard me talk about the gentleman who's one of my teachers, Amana Guy, wonderful gentleman who um, really like, like teaches wonderful stuff when it comes to marketing. He's really like an online marketing kind of guy, but he also does transformational work with you when you start to work with him. And so he gave us this exercise and I'll tell you about what the exercise was at, at the very end of the show. And, and then um, we, we did this whole like weekend course called Message Mastery. It's a beautiful course. It was all about finding our message. And, and he gave us a whole structure and a way of doing it and coming up with our quote unquote story or a story and that we come up multiple stories. And, you know, I... I kind of know my own stories pretty well. I think about them. I am a storyteller. I mean, that's why I have a show is I tell people stories all the time. Um, so I, I kind of know all my like little individual stories, but I never put them together in a way that I thought like to, to really kind of explain to people, why do I do what I do today? Which believe me, years ago when I was just starting off, I never imagined this is what I'd be doing in, in 2022. Um, and so in, in this course of putting things together and looking at things, and then I kind of struck upon something. I was like, huh? Oh, like the stuff that happened to me a long time ago. Oh, it does actually relate. And there is a reason why I'm doing what I do today. And so I, I kind of put together this story and it's going to be in a book. I, I, I wrote um, a chapter and he puts together, Amon is, is really genius. <laughs> the people who works closely with him in his advanced program, um, everyone gets to contribute a book and, and puts out this, this uh, 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 anthology book of, of everyone's story. And, and this one will be out there. So if you want to read this story, it, it'll be out. Um, 
uh, will it be the end of the, either end of this year, or beginning of next year? I'm not not quite sure, um, but I will let you know, and and you'll hear all about it. And and so, and so I'm going through the exercise and looking at things, and I started to pull together different pieces of things, and I was like, oh, like here is why I do what I do, and it's interesting, not just the story itself, but the meaning I made behind it. So what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the show, I'm going to tell you the story, and then I'm going to talk about the meaning I made, and then I'm going to talk about why I can change and how to change the meaning that I made. And I'm hoping that this example you can relate to, and that maybe you can take some of your own stories and maybe change the meaning yourselves. So I'm... I've done public speaking work for many, many years, and sometimes more, sometimes less. And and normally when, when I do a presentation and I'm introducing myself, I say, well, I've been an entrepreneur since 1993. Because that's when, after nine years of, of working in corporations and nonprofits and, and large organizations, larger organizations, that's when I finally struck out on my own and became a computer consultant. And I said that for many, many years. And then I forget what it was, but there was something that sort of triggered the memory. And then I realized, oh, I think I heard somebody else. And, and they said how like, you know, they've been a business person since they were a little kid when they did this or that to make money on the side. And then it thought like, oh, yeah, actually, that's not true. I've actually been an entrepreneur much, much longer than that. Because back when I was a little kid growing up in my neighborhood in the Bronx, you know, a nice little Jewish kid in the Bronx, I was in a very sort of uh, Italian, Irish, Jewish neighborhood um, when I was a little kid. And then as I got a little older, it started to change and the demographic changed and, and, and stuff. But, but when I was a little kid uh, I, and I used to get an allowance from, from my dad but when I looked at how much I was getting in as an allowance, and when I met the other kids in my neighborhood, and I and I learned how much they were getting as an allowance, they were actually getting a lot more than me. I mean, again, you're talking like the difference between a nickel and a quarter, but still, it was back then it was a big difference. And I didn't understand it because, like, we owned the home that we lived in, and these kids lived in apartments. Their families were blue-collar, middle-class people, and my parents were more educated. I mean, my dad was a statistician. My mom was a schoolteacher. Um, I mean, we didn't have a ton of money. We were still middle-class, but it always seemed like, well, we had more money than than the other families. Why was I getting so little? And and so then one of my friends his his older brother used to deliver the dry cleaning like you know he the, you know people would bring their dry cleaning in and and then he would go and deliver it and you know he'd make a little bit from the place and we just get it and we'd mostly just make tips and so then he went away for the summer and then he he had his his younger brother my friend like cover it for him and then my friend was like going away for a weekend or something or a week. I forget what it was. And he asked me if I wanted to make some extra money and I could deliver it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Why not? And so I delivered the dry cleaning and I made some tips. And I was like, oh, this is wonderful. Like, oh, like I could actually like work and make money and I don't have to rely on my allowance. So that like kind of gave me the little bug of like, oh, like I could make some money using my own effort. Wonderful. And then a couple of years went by, and then another friend of mine was like, hey, Sam, you want to make some extra money on this side on the weekends? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm up for that. And he's like, oh, he says, yeah, like I did this with my like kid brother, and, and, and he's not interested anymore. Why don't we do it together? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so what did we do is we would go, on, particularly on Saturday nights, um, because that's when the Sunday paper was delivered in, in New York City. And, and, you know, that's when like the Sunday times and the Sunday daily news um, was delivered and the trucks, you know, the newspaper trucks from the plants would go around, they drop off sort of the bundles and then you'd have to put it together for the newspaper stand. So the way my friend did it is, is, is the newspaper stand would hire him to kind of put together the bundles. And so I I actually helped him one night and we did that putting together the Sunday paper because there's a whole bunch of sections, but then he had the idea of, of going to the truck drivers and buying a bunch of a bundle of papers 
and then selling them ourselves. I thought, oh, that's a great idea. But he had an even better idea. He's like, hey, let's buy the bundles. And instead of just standing out there waiting for people to come to us, let's go around to all the bars in the neighborhood and we could sell them and then we could charge more money for them because now we're delivering them. And this way people don't have to go out and look for the paper. It's We give it to them right there at the bar. They can read it while they're drinking or they take it home. It's convenient and they would do it. And so we started to do that. And we would charge and, 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 you know, again, back then the Sunday papers were 25 cents. I mean, this is a billion years ago. Okay. 25 cents for the Sunday paper. And we would charge 50 cents when we bring it to the bars. And this was great, you know, and, and, and how did he get this idea? It's because his mom was divorced and she would sometimes go to the bars and, 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 you know, she, he was talking to her and she's like, you know, it'd be great if someone just bring us the paper. And, and so he started to do that. And I started to do that with him. And you have to keep in mind, again, this is a very Irish, Italian, Jewish neighborhood, tons of pubs and bars. And there were two sort of main avenues in the neighborhood, Kingsbridge Road and Fordham Road. And we could walk up one end of Kingsbridge Road, cut across to Fordham Road, walk down Fordham Road, and we could hit up maybe close to 50 bars in a night and we may not sell a paper in every single bar but if we got a bundle of like 50 papers we would definitely sell out by the end of the night and i remember making like 20 25 30 40 one night i think i made even 50 dollars a night in just a couple of hours and and I was back in like junior high school at the time. I don't even think I was in high school yet. And when you're a kid in junior high school back in the 70s and, and you can make 50 bucks in a night, I mean, that, that, that was more money than I would see from my allowance for a whole year. Oh, I got the entrepreneurial bug young, baby. All right. So that's the first part of my story. There, there's a lot more to come, but I got to take a break. Um, so... Uh, uh, so I'm, again, I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of insight, trying to let you know. Um, but this is this is just the beginning, just the beginning of my story. I haven't even gotten to the real meaning of it yet. So I'm going to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to let you know what that meant to me and where things went from there. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. This hour, it's just me and you. So please comment. Uh, questions, ask your questions in the Facebook Live, and we will be right back after these messages. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law, business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. And 
Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. I see my other new loyal listener, Sonia. Oh, Sonia, I'm so glad you're listening into the show today. Um, this is a good one, actually, for you to listen in on. And if uh, you guys can share it, please share it out. Uh, Sonia, if you can uh, post it in the group and, and share the link, that would be awesome. Um, okay, so I was telling you all about how I became an entrepreneur when I started delivering these newspapers when I was a kid. And made all this money. Okay, making money is nice. You're a kid. You can buy toys. You can do all this stuff. But really, what was the meaning I made behind it? Why was it so important to me? Well, I realize now, and and I didn't realize it then. I was completely unconscious about it then. But now I realize that making the money, it felt so good because... When I got home, I felt very alone. I had an older brother and older sister. My sister's four years older than me. My brother's eight years older than me. Eight years older than you. When I'm 10 years old, he's 18. When I was eight years old, he was 16. What 16-year-old wants to hang out and play with an eight-year-old? No one. And my parents? My parents both had big losses in their life. So they were very unpresent for us emotionally. You know, when I talk to my wife, my wife's a therapist, you know, she says, oh, like you really suffered neglect. Like I didn't suffer abuse. You know, a lot of people out there have a lot of trauma from abuse. But for me, it wasn't abuse. It was more like neglect. And I realized that, you know, when I was a little kid, I felt so unseen. I felt so alone. I, I remember we, we, now, now I grew up in this, this two family house that my mom bought. She, you know, she, she had inherited some money from her dad when he passed before she got married and she got this two family house and she'd rent out the upstairs and we had the downstairs and it was a good size house. And she, she, they had gotten way before I was born, this baby grand piano. I remember this black baby grand piano. I don't remember what brand it was. And so she, she, um, you know, would have my, my older brother and older sister both got piano lessons. Not me, my older brother and older sister, both, you know, went to certain schools. I didn't. And I remember like in the, it, it was in the dining room. This big dining room. We had this big dining room table. There was a sofa. There was this, this kind of cabinet next to the sofa, and then the baby grand piano, and 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 it kind of like right into the corner. And as a little kid, I could crawl underneath the piano, and I could like lean up against the little cabinet there, and it was like my little hideaway, and I could stay there for hours, and nobody would even notice that I wasn't in my room that I wasn't doing something, that I wasn't around. And I can remember, like, after being there, what felt like a long time, maybe it wasn't a long time, maybe it wasn't hours, maybe it was a half hour or something, but I remember being under there for quite a while. And then, have you seen Sam? Where's Sam? I haven't seen Sam. Where is he? He's not in his room. I don't know. Have you seen him? No, I haven't seen him. And then eventually I'd crawl out from underneath, and they were like, where were you? And I just didn't say anything. But it's like I could disappear. I could disappear for hours and no one would notice. And I realized that that, that feeling of, of not even being seen in your own family, it really affected me. And that for so much of my life, I just wanted to find my community. I wanted to find my tribe. I mean, I remember in, in third grade, you know, and the, there was this apartment building across the street and there was this like wall, like next to a garage that it had. And I'd see kids playing ace, king, queen, you know, kind of handball. But, you know, there's a Bronx version of handball uh, across the street. And I'd go out and I'd play and I'd say, oh, can I go out and play? And I'd go out and then I'd try and play with them. And I made friends with the local Catholic kids. And again, I, I'm brought up Jewish. I actually went to a Jewish elementary school. I didn't know anything other than Jewish people. And then the Jewish kids in school weren't particularly nice to me. So, you know, to meet some of the kids who weren't Jewish, it was something different. 
And, you know, they would treat me nice initially, but being Jewish. And there was some, and again, these kids, they were just reflecting probably what they heard from their parents. There was some anti-Semitism there. They didn't, they weren't outright, but after a while, after they started getting comfortable with me being around, I started to hear things. Um, Their older, the older kids who were like their older brothers, they would, you know, do things like, like, uh, you know, uh, during Halloween, they throw eggs at me. Um, when the moon, it would snow. I remember this one kid, this real bully in the neighborhood knocked me down and he's stuffing snow in my face. So they were superficially kind of nice to me, but they weren't really nice to me, but I just so wanted community. I so wanted people who would see me and everything. I would put up with it. And I would think that's, well, I, I, you know, I'm not getting anything at home. So I guess this is what it means to be seen. And that kind of attitude I carried with me through most of my life, unconsciously. And what happened? I started looking for community in all the wrong places. You know, in college, I met a group of friends who I ended up moving in together with them after college. and, And they just took complete advantage of me. Um, and, and, and even outside of social settings, even, even in business, when, when I started to strike out on my own and be an entrepreneur, I would find business partners who wouldn't really value my contribution because I wasn't valuing me. And I wouldn't be paid what I was worth. And they would challenge me on all kinds of things, even though I knew I was right. And, and. I kept going in this direction because I didn't realize how much I was like giving up of myself to the point that I got involved with the real estate project. And actually I've talked about it before, but for those who don't know, before I started doing what I'm doing now over 12 years ago, I got involved in real estate. And what happened was I got involved with this broker and I wasn't really that interested. I got my license, but I wasn't really interested in selling apartments or, 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 you know, being a broker. But when he told me about this idea of like taking a building and renovating it and doing small development projects, like that was something that to me sounded like a real business. That was something that interested me. And so he brought this project to me. It was a building in, in Queens. And the zoning allowed you to, we could literally put two floors on top of this building. It's an old crappy building. And then after we bought it and, and there were some problems buying it because there was a, a tenant in there that didn't want to leave because it was a cheap apartment and he wanted a big payout. I literally had to go and negotiate with this tenant on behalf of the current owner. Cause I didn't even own it yet. Um, but he couldn't get it out. He was just this Korean guy but he was a friend of the the brokers. Eventually I got him out and, and, and we bought the building and then found out that the building next door, that was literally a part of the building that was separate address was, was up for sale. And so we got a hard money loan. We bought the building next door. So now we have this whole structure. Okay. It's one structure, two addresses. And the broker is supposed to be, mentoring me through this whole project. I've never done a development project. I have no idea what I'm in for, but to me, I'm just like, it's a business. We treat it like a business. And he arranged for us to get the construction loan, which we needed to be able to knock down the building, put in a foundation and build up the new building. And we, and our our plans we submitted and they were approved. And then the 2008 bubble burst and suddenly the bank that had given us a letter saying they would give us the construction loan wasn't giving us the construction loan anymore. They pulled the loan. And then my broker who was going to co-sign on the loan and help me get the loan, he disappears because I find out afterwards he owed a bunch of people money. He was not a trustworthy person. Again, getting involved with all the wrong people and not really seeing it, not valuing myself. 
and I'm stuck with this project and no way to get out of it. And I remember even like everyone at the time was scrambling and trying to get loans and the market was going crazy and, and, and it was a mess. And I was carrying this hard money loan for a couple of years and, and, you know, I kept, you know, oh, people saying, oh, I can get you a loan. Uh, you need to pay me this much money and I'll find it. I pay them the money and they never got me the loan. I, I can't believe I was so stupid. Um, and not stupid. I was just so undervaluing. I, was, I wasn't really seeing things clearly. Until it got to the point where I just couldn't carry it anymore. I didn't have the resources. The, 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 the market was in the toilet. I couldn't get the loan. I had to sell the building. Problem was the building wasn't worth as much as what we paid for it. So I had all this interest from the construction loan. I, I had not just my money, but my family money invested in this. I had a bunch of small investors. I lost everything. Thank goodness I didn't lose my apartment, my home. I did have to take a mortgage out on my loan because what we sold it for wasn't enough. So I had to take a mortgage out to pay off the rest. I lost more money than I have even made in my entire life. And I was, I don't want to say devastated because I think I numbed myself to even that, but I was lost. After that, I like didn't know what the F I was doing. I didn't know what to do or where to go. And I was just at the lowest point in my life. And I will tell you what happened next when we come back from break. Ooh, cliffhanger. Okay, so everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, the special episode, just me and you. And we will be right back after these messages. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Just me and you today. I see also loyal listeners, Sanaya in here. Patty, I see also a fellow entrepreneur. Um, listen, I got a lot to get through and not a lot of time. So I'm going to go fast. I, I'm going go, to talk a little bit faster. You got to listen a little bit faster, okay? So I'm at this lowest point in my life. I am devastated. I don't know where to go or what to do. And I just know like I'm doing something wrong. And I started my kind of got back on my spiritual path. And then I was at this party and I met this guy at a party and his mutual friend of ours, Alex brings him and says, Sam, you got to talk to my friend, Giorgio. I'm like, okay. I'm like, who is this guy? He's got a shaved head. He's 
you know, young guy, he's kind of a little awkward in a social situation. I'm like, hi, Giorgio, I'm Sam. And he's like, hello. And I'm like, again, don't know what to ask him. Don't know who he is. I'm like, so what do you do? And he says, well, I'm an acupuncturist. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I know a lot of different alternative health practitioners, not too many acupuncturists. And his next breath, he's like, but I've decided to become a Buddhist monk and I'm selling off all my worldly possessions. I'm like, Whoa, that's different. And I know I'm thinking I network a lot. I know a lot of people. Maybe I could help themselves. I'm like, did you sell your business yet? And he goes, no, not yet. But I'm talking to some people. And I said, well, you know, I know people. Maybe I can help you sell your business. And he goes, oh, that would be really nice. It would be really good meta, really good karma for you, helping someone to get into the monkhood. And then he says, oh, yeah. And about a year ago, I started this internet radio station. I'm like, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. Acupuncturist radio station. I'm like, what's your name again? And he says, Giorgio Repetti. And I'm like, ah. I know who you are because my friend Larry Sharp does a radio show on your network and he's told me about you, but he's never connected us. And there he is standing in front of me in living color. So we get together a week later and I remember the day because it was actually my wedding anniversary and we have this long two and a half hour meeting. I'm like, look, if I'm going to help you sell your business, I need to know the good, the bad, the ugly. And he tells me all about the acupuncture practice and his special method and his master he trained from and everything else. I'm like, oh, okay, but... I'm not an acupuncturist. My, my wife's not an acupuncturist. I know nothing about acupuncture. Not really that interested. But then he starts talking about the internet radio station. And this, this caught my eye because I'm like, I have a background in technology. I have a background in public speaking. This is interesting to me. And I saw the business model. I'm like, oh, this has a lot of potential. And so by the end of this meeting, I kind of jokingly said to him, wow, this is like getting two businesses for the price of one. I'm like, if I can't help you sell your business, I'll just buy it myself. And we both kind of laugh at it because yeah, what am I going to do with an acupuncture practice? And that night I go home and I tell my wife all about it. My wife had this way about her. You know, she used to be very deadpan and she'd just be like, oh, forget helping him to sell the business. I'm like, really? And I was kind of crestfallen because I really liked the guy. I thought I could help him make a little bit of money. And she's like, yeah, she goes, we may not have much money after our real estate debacle, but we may as well put what little bit of money we have into a business that's actually making money. Let's just buy it ourselves. I'm like, what? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, I couldn't believe it because, you know, I jokingly said the same thing to him not, not a few hours before. And so we bought the, the, the radio station and I started doing my own show and I've been doing the Conscious Consultant Hour now for over 12 years. I started it in May of 2010. Hard to believe, over 12 years. I've done over 650 episodes, I think. You know, because I did the double episodes sometimes, but over 600 episodes at this point. And it was so interesting what I found. Because first of all, by, by offering a service to people that they really valued, I started bringing on other hosts onto the network that really um, started to value what I had. And they start, I started to, to all of a sudden uh, find a community. But then to me, the really amazing thing is by sharing my voice consistently, the benefits that I got from doing my own show, I could not believe it. The, the first big thing was I got to be able to do a TEDx talk. In 2016, an old friend of mine I hadn't seen for years was like, hey, I know somebody putting together a TEDx event for the Upper West Side. Would you like an introduction? I'm like, yeah, it's always been my dream to do a TEDx talk. So I connected with the guy and he's like, well, can you send me your speakers reel? And I'm like, oh my God, I haven't been doing much speaking lately. I don't have a speakers reel. I said, oh, I don't have one, but I could send you a bunch of recordings of interviews that I've done and, and some shows. And he goes, okay, send me that. So I sent him like four or five interviews that I'd done that I felt like my best interviews. And he was so impressed with how I did my interviews that he was like, great, you, you're in. I couldn't believe it. Like just from being able to share my voice, I managed to get a TEDx talk. And if you look on YouTube, it's on there. It's called the Technology of Consciousness. But just search for my name in Technology of Consciousness and you'll, you'll find that TEDx talk. Um. So that was the first thing. And, and, and that just blew me away. And that was like six years ago. And then when I came out with my book, Everyday Awakening in, in November of 2020, I appealed to you, my loyal listeners. I, I appealed to my audience 
And my book hit number one in three different categories on Amazon on the day we launched it. Never thought I'd be a best-selling author. And so you see, uh, the meaning I used to make around my experiences was nobody wanted me. Nobody heard me. Nobody saw me. And I thought I had to go out and find my tribe. And that I had to go out and put up with whatever people would dish out my way because I wasn't valuing myself. The meaning I made was, I'm not worth it. I'm not good enough. And the lesson for me, the magic that's happened to me from something I never in a million years thought I would do, from having my own online show, from from running the radio station, what I've really learned is that by sharing my voice with the world, by being authentic, by being vulnerable, you know, look, it's, it's not easy for us to admit things like I was unseen, unheard. I could hide for hours and nobody in my family would notice I was gone. But by really valuing myself and sharing something, by by not even believing, because I never really believed in myself when I beginning when I started doing this stuff, but by just showing up, saying yes to the opportunities that life brought to me and sharing my voice with the world. And I share my voice, even when I'm interviewing somebody, I always share my voice. That instead of me having to go out and find my tribe, by just allowing myself to be visible, my tribe has found me. And I love my loyal listeners, Patty and Sanaya and William and Sonia. I love that you guys tune in all the time every week. And I know there are many more people out there who listen to my show. I mean, you know, I get probably about 6,000 listeners every month to whether you people hear it live or hear the rerun or, or watching the Facebook video or hear it on the podcasting platforms. And so what I realized was when I changed my story about my circumstances, that I actually found what I've been looking for my whole life. My tribe, my community. And in and, and many different ways. And so my purpose for telling this story is to hopefully inspire somebody out there And that if you're listening to this and there's something about my story you can relate to, and if there's something about it, like, yeah, I want to find my tribe too, that, you know, maybe you should consider doing your own show. That maybe you need to share your voice. And actually, I um, am doing uh, my course. I apologize. I'm I'm not in my house, so it's not my phone, so I don't know how to turn off the damn ringer. Um, But that for me, I'm putting on my course again in September, Podcast Your Passion. Um, I I will definitely putting out links and letting you know when we get closer how to register for it. But if you think you might want to have your own show, to put your voice out there, to find your own tribe the way I've found my tribe. That maybe this is something you should consider. Now, look, having your own internet show, it's, it's not for everybody. Absolutely not. But if there's something in what I said, if there's something that resonates with you, you can reach out to me, Sam at talkradio.nyc and say, hey, Sam, I really relate to your story. 
I'd love to know more about your course or how to work with you because I mean, that's what we do at the station. I'm bringing on new hosts all the time, the people with different stories to tell. I love helping people, you know, that's kind of a done for you solution. But if you're more the, I just want to do it myself, a do it yourself solution, come to the course. I'm happy to talk to you about it, but it's so changed my life. And I just know that there's, so many people out there with their own story to tell, with their own voice. That if you're questioning at all, if there's something inside it that says, oh, maybe I should check this out, do it. Because the world today needs your voice more than ever before. People need to hear what you have to say. And maybe you think you're not that unique. Maybe you think that, oh, what what do I have to say? And it doesn't matter if you're unique or not, because you will tell your story in your own unique way. You will appeal to people in your own way. Your tribe will find you, but you have to put yourself out there. You have to give them a way of finding you. So... I hope you've gotten something from this episode. I hope there's something in what I've said that you can support you and, and inspire you. And I hope you've learned something. And, and I hope that in some way, there's some way that I've touched you and that I have inspired you. So thank you all for tuning in this week. It was a special show um not my my typical me only show but uh i hope you enjoyed it let me know please share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear it i appreciate you all i will be back next week with a great guest remember later today frank is on at 5 p.m with a replay of his show frank about health and of course tomorrow we have uh, tommy with philanthropy and focus steve with always friday and then monday nights with sandra with her show uh the edge of every day thank you all for tuning in i love you all we will talk to you next week business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.